Hello and welcome to my self-publishing review of the year dated Saturday the 26th of December 2020. Coming up in this special Christmas episode, I submitted my sixth and final book of 2020 on Thursday. Now I can come out and play again. I'll be bringing you up to date with everything I've been up to in my author life since we arrived in Spain. And I'll be reviewing my quarter four objectives and revealing if the lure of the beaches and the sunshine just proved too much for me to get any work done. Before we get started today though, a little fun festive competition, no prizes for this one, but bearing in mind I started playing almost daily games of Scrabble with my mum in March, and we had a big interruption of course when we moved abroad, how many games of Scrabble, online Scrabble, do you think I've played with my mum since we went into lockdown in March? And that's dated, the the date you've got is up until the 24th of December, which is when I'm recording this, Christmas Eve. And atypically for a Christmas Eve, I've just come in from a walk to the shops. We have a, a British shop out here in Torrevieja uh, with Iceland and Waitrose products. So you can get all the bits and pieces that you like for Christmas, like Christmas crackers, all the traditionally British things that we like. And we just took a walk over there today. And it's like summer sunshine out there. I've actually come inside to cool off. My wife is sitting outside on the, the sort of raffia chairs um, in the sunshine because it catches the sunshine beautifully in the garden at this time of day and I've just come in to cool off I don't think I've ever spent such a a warm Christmas Eve it really is quite spectacular weather-wise out here so I, I won't rub that in any longer if you're stuck somewhere that's cold I'll get on with the writing and editing update instead so writing and editing update this is filling in the gap I guess I think it was about October if I remember rightly that I did the last proper diary And that was just before we moved out to Spain. And I was pretty well just telling you what I hoped to achieve during quarter four of this year. And I'll go through those quarter four objectives towards the end of this episode. But let me start with what I've been up to and what I've got done, first of all. This is my writing and editing update then. And all three of my Morecambe Bay Trilogy 2 books are now completed. So... The uh, what well, I'm trying to think of what the titles are. I've forgotten. All, I've put all the abbreviations for the titles, and I can't remember what the titles are. Oh yes, TMO is Trust Me Once. That's right. Trust Me Once was published on the second of November. Fall from Grace was published on the thirtieth of November, and Bound by Blood is published on Monday, the twenty eighth of December. But it's submitted today on the day I'm recording this, the twenty fourth of December submitted and done and ready to go so there's always that four day lead time when you publish a brand new book where you 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 have to have it submitted by close of play on on the Thursday and then if it's published on the Monday it gives them four days to review it even though it realistically it'll be reviewed within 24 hours probably so few That means the books are finished and the pressure's off right now. So since coming to Spain, I had to finish writing Bound by Blood. I had to edit and publish Fall from Grace. Now, by editing and publishing Fall from Grace, um, I'm just trying to remember. I had to to do my final edit on it, if I remember rightly. I think I had to send it to Julie. And I certainly then had to get it ready for publication. So I, I think I had to do two edits on that, but it might have been one. It's all a little bit blurred now. Um, And I also had to um, first draft edit Bound by Blood, send it to Julie, then final draft edit Bound by Blood. Now, I would admit it's been a real slog since we moved to Spain. I I had a real head of steam on with these books. And then, to be honest with you, things got so busy, 
you know, getting ready to pack everything up and empty the house and all that sort of stuff. And then when we moved to Spain, it, it, I just had too many distractions. You know, when we were in Benidorm, I just wanted to be out all the time for the, the 10 days that we were there. And although I did get the writing done at about 1,700 words a day, it was a bit of a slog. I'd rather have been out having fun and playing. So I was quite relieved when I finally got that book finished and sent off to Julie Cordoner. Um, you know, but it, it, it did get finished, but it, it, it was a slog. It was a slog because I'd lost my momentum. So when I was writing Trust Me Once and Fall From Grace, I had that momentum going. I was in the UK. I was in a routine. My wife was out at work and it was all fine. I am very much a man of routine. And then take me out of that routine. Effectively, we've had a three house moves we moved out of one house we went into a hotel in the uk then we went to an airport stayed there and then we went to betty dorm stayed there for 10 days then we moved down to torrevieca so you've had all this kind of disruption going on during this period and if i had if i got to choose again i would not be writing and finishing and edited a book during that period i gotta tell you i'm absolutely relieved that bound by blood is off and done and uh, you know I, I i'm not going to be doing any more writing but I'm out of house, certainly not fiction now. Um, it did feel a, a slog and a struggle. But having said that, I, I have, I've over, I say I've over edited, I've edited Bound by Blood more than I normally would, simply because it's felt like a fragmented writing process to me. Because I'd written up to, I can't remember how many words it was, but I was pretty well, pretty well done, 50 to 60,000 words, I think it was, by the time we left the UK. And then I had to finish the last 10, 15,000 words. And it felt very fragmented. It felt very broken. I didn't feel like I got the momentum. And then obviously I read it through. And actually when I read it through, I felt that I'd actually, it was actually one of the more exciting books I'd written. I'd got um, two strands in it, one in the past, one in the present. And I felt that they merged really nicely. It was really the beginning and the end of the book that I was unsettled and not happy with. Certainly the end of the book was the, the bit I wasn't quite happy with. Anyhow, I, I got it written. I did my first draft, then edit on it. Uh, I sent it over to Julie Korsner, who had it for a couple of weeks, then sent it back. And then I went off to the beta readers. And then I, normally I would have gone through, um, I go through Julie's edits, and then any beta reader points that are done, I go through. And then I'll read it again. And this time, I read it twice. I've just, I just finished reading it and submitting it because I just felt a little bit unnerved about it because it has felt so fragmented to me. I don't feel like my mind's really been on the job as much as it should have been. So anyhow, that's Bound by Blood. It's off. It's too late now. It gets published on Mondays. Now I can do. <laughs> it's sitting there, you know, ready to get published by Amazon. And I can't touch it till Monday now. So that, that feels good, to be honest with you. The other thing I've done while I'm out here is I've created the three paperback files. I've published two of them to Ingram Spark. So Trust Me Once and Fall From Grace are published already. And all of the files are sat in the KDP dashboard and I will publish them all on Monday. So the um, Bound by Blood, the final file, I'll probably do that tonight or tomorrow upload the final PDF file, which will be processed in Vellum. It only takes a few minutes to do it in Vellum and to get it right. And then I will do the same. I'll publish the files on Monday for the three paperbacks. And that'll be the whole Walker Bay trilogy, all of the Kindle books out and all of the paperback books out as well on Monday, the 28th of December. So in this COVID year, 
a year where we were all not for six, I think, that means I've managed to write six books, three non-fictions, so the five-figure fiction formula, how to create and sell digital products and how to start a podcast. And I've managed to write the Walker Bay Trilogy, my second Walker Bay Trilogy. So that's six books this year compared to eight books last year. And if you remember, eight books was the year I was doing the rapid release. So it's interesting that there hasn't been that much difference in my output, even though this has been one crazy year, not only disrupted by COVID, but also disrupted by packing up the house and and moving to a different country. So I feel quite happy with that level of output. Six books feels okay to me, uh, that they're all published and and, and selling, or that the last one will be selling from uh, Monday, Monday the 28th. So next I plan to release a Walker Bay Trilogies box set on January, I think it's January 20 something, something like the 26th. It's the, uh, basically I'm spacing them four weeks apart to create that rapid release schedule. It doesn't make any difference to be honest with you, but I am doing it just for the sake of, of setting a distance between the books. I've preserved that 28 day, 28 day, 28 day cycle. So this will be a rapid release of, of, of five, over five consecutive periods of 28 days. And let me tell you, because there's so much conversation about rapid release, I can't really perceive any difference. The only difference I perceive is that people move from one pre-sale to the next. They tend to buy through my pre-sales because I put the books. The minute I've got the first draft of the book written, and I know it's going out there in some form, even if I had to publish it completely unedited, it's getting published on that date, I, I list it as for pre-sale. So the only benefit I can see from those regular releases, I don't really see it in my numbers, but I do see it in the pre-sales, in that people tend to buy or pre-sale, uh, pre-buy all of the books in the series, which is great. And so I've even got pre-sales now on the six-book series, which is released at the end of January, and the three-book series, which is released at the end of February. Now, why did I decide to do them in that order? So rather than release the trilogy of books as a box set first, I'm prioritizing the six-pack of books first. And the reason for that is that um, the because it's that my books are set around an area called Morecambe Bay in the UK, we have a psychological thriller series called The Bay. The uh, season two's coming out in January, and I've been waiting for this to hang my marketing on because if you like The Bay on telly, you'll probably be quite keen to read my books, which are the same sort of feel if you want. They're nothing like the nothing like the storylines of The Bay on TV, but if you like Morecambe and you want to read more, then I think you would be interested in probably checking out my books. So I was very keen to have the six pack ready, and I'll put a um, I'll put a promo on that pushes for page reads on that uh, around the time of the banner, and I will push that book quite hard with the message: join the bay, read this. That so I've really got a marketing campaign. So I wanted to prioritise the six pack first, and then the three pack can follow in February, come out when I'm ready for it, basically. So. That will take me to the end of February with releases, and then we're kind of into 2021 work, which I'll talk to you about next week. The other thing I did want to mention to you while I'm discussing writing and editing is I've really enjoyed having a team of beta readers 
and I think I've done this for the last six books now, maybe slightly more, but it's been hugely beneficial to me. Now, I don't push my beta team for reviews, though some of them are extremely good at it. They put them all over the place, you know, uh, blogs and Facebook and uh, Goodreads. I've had to be listing. I don't usually touch Goodreads. I'm not a fan of Goodreads. And I've had several of my beta readers say, "Would you list the thing on on Goodreads so that we could we could review it?" So I, I have <laughs> reluctantly done that. Uh, but I've got loads of reviews on Goodreads. I haven't got a clue where they come from, but I do seem to have a lot of reviews on Goodreads. But I, I say I'm not a fan of the platform really, and they do tend to mark quite low on Goodreads. So I tend not to really look at it, to be honest with you. But I was surprised at how many reviews I got on it when I listed those books, and. Um, the benefit to me of the beta readers is it, it, it really gives me confidence. When I've had, when I've got, I think I've got, I had about 100 volunteers for beta readers and I've boiled it down to 30 good ones who give me good feedback the way that I've asked for it. And, and they, most of them leave reviews. I don't have to push them for that or chase them. Um, say most of them, some of them do. It's not most of them, it's some of them um, are very diligent about it. Uh, but I, it's the feedback I value most. Um, I, it just gives you a lot of confidence launching a book when you know you've had 20 pairs of eyes or 30 pairs of eyes over the book and you do tend to pick up any of those last minute gremlins you know either spelling grammar or plot wise so I, I do really appreciate uh, you know, having that so as you can tell even though I've had lots of distractions it has still been a pretty productive time in quarter four of 2020. Let's move on now then to working on my writing business. And I'm going to give you some figures now. And I, I always get nervous about giving you some figures. But I just wanted to give you a, a, a feeling of where we're up to. Because what I, what I would say with the writing business is, as you know, I had um, some tremendous sales earlier on in the year. I had four months worth of Kindle bonuses, which I've never had Kindle bonuses in my life before. Uh, I had, um, was I think it was about four or five uh, was it five-figure months? Yes, five-figure months, isn't it? Four or five five-figure sales months. That's gross, remember, not net. And I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of where we're up to. I don't want to dwell on the numbers too much, but I, I am, you know, I, I don't want you to get the wrong impression with this. What I would say is that I, I've clearly moved beyond a beginner, and I would say I'm stuck right in the mire of being a midway author now. And, and, and just for the hell of it, last night, I just set my, uh, what is it called, reader report, whatever it's called, the, the little app that gives you, that goes ka-ching when you make sales, that one. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's on my computer here. Let's just hold my cursor over. Something report, book report, the book report. Um, I, I just literally set the date frame on December the 23rd to December the 22nd, just to give you a snapshot of sales and earnings and all of that sort of thing, just so that I can give you an impression of that. And, and um, this doesn't take into account the fact that I've got um, on top of this affiliate income. It doesn't take the, this doesn't record the bonuses that I've had. This doesn't record my draft the digital, my Google or my Kobo income. So I just wanted to give you a snapshot and let you know roughly where I am. So in my writing business then from those dates, my income is showing a 61,000 £1,288. It's showing 50,000 sales. It's showing 12,436,322 page reads. 
and it's showing 76,834 freebies given away. So that is literally a snapshot of a mid-weight author from one, literally one year to another, not a tax year to another, just literally a snapshot of a year. Um, now, I totted it up. Uh, when did I tot it up? I totted it up a couple of weeks ago, and, and I've lost the numbers now. I can't remember it was, but in my head, the number in my head a couple of weeks ago was we were about $80,000 gross on that because I was trying to work out whether I was going to hit a six-figure year. And I've got to tell you, I don't think I'm going to hit a six-figure year. I may do still, but I don't think I'm going to. I think the reason that I had those amazing sales, I, I didn't think it was at the time. And the reason I didn't think it was related to COVID at the time was because I started the advertising for it in January of 2020. And of course, COVID wasn't a thing then. And it wasn't really until sort of March, April that the numbers started to go really high. It took a, it took a while to seed it and to get those page reads going. So I, I didn't feel at the time it was to do with COVID, but now I look back and now I'm back to doing the marketing the way I was doing it before. And I'm seeing that I'm not yet achieving that kind of level of sales. I'm looking at it thinking, mm, I'm gonna be hard pushed to make this a six figure year. We might just squeeze it out in dollars if I have a couple of good months, but I, I feel like we won't get a six figure year. And potentially I might be able to squeeze a six figure year out of a, a selected 12 months. So it might not be you know January to December, it might not be a tax year. It might be something like May to May, something like that. It, you know, it might be a standalone uh, sequence of 12 months. But at the moment, if, I, if you ask me to place a bet on it, I would say to you, I suspect I'm not going to get a six-figure year out of this. But I did just want to let you know where we were with the numbers, just to give you an indication. And that is a very, very rough indication. It is more than that. Um, but uh, you know, it just gives you a, level, a sense of where we're at. And I say I got four uh, Kindle bonuses on top of that too, which were worth several thousand. And I've and I've I've had a couple of bookbubs, which have also brought me income through Google, Kobo, and fairly good income actually through Draft Digital, surprisingly. So, uh, you know, there is more income to add to that. But I just wanted to just draw a line in the sand with income and really let you know where we were up to. Now, in practical terms, what that has meant is that I've got every single expense that I can anticipate coming up over the next year. So, um, so from April 2021 to April 2022, so that's domain names, it's softwares that I use, accounting service, it's uh, site ground, it's every bit of software that I have to pay for that I can anticipate. Um, it's my data protection fee, my Google Drive, you know, every single thing, Dropbox, every single thing that I can think of that I use in my business. I've put the money by for all of those. So I've, everything is paid. I say it's paid. The money's in the bank till the end of 2022. And because we're a limited company at the moment, I have two director bonuses. My wife and I are joint directors of, of the limited company. I've got two bonuses, which will take in the new tax year in April 2021. Plus, I have a year's salary. Uh, which is more than my wife earned while she was at work. Um, that uh, that I've got that now until J June twenty twenty two put by. So in terms of saying, well, what's that worth? You know, in terms of money in your pocket by the time you've paid all your bills and things, it's enough to secure the business. If I didn't sell another book for fifteen months, 
then nothing would change. Everything would be paid for and nothing would change. So, you know, that's why I'm saying clearly you've moved out the realms of beginner and hand to mouth with that. Uh, and, it, and it's very nice. But I'm not in the realms of, oh, you know, by the way, I bought myself a Lamborghini just for the fun of it because I'm making so much money. We're, we're nowhere near that yet. But we are in a, in a certain level of comfort that creates stability and predictability within the business. And that's quite a nice place to be because I haven't been there for the last three years. So I just want to give you a sense of that, of, of where we're up to. Now, they are rough figures. They are gross figures. They're higher than I've told you, but not substantially higher. And they are going to be less, I think, than than six figures over the year. But if we do break that, we won't break six figures in pounds unless there's a miracle. We might break six figures in dollars. And if I do hit that, I'll let you know. So in terms of my writing business, having learned what I learned, having made that amount of money, which is incredible, it's amazing, it's fantastic, I it helped me to hyper-focus on what matters. You know, so, so did running a Facebook page bring any of that money in? No, it didn't. Did being on Twitter bring any of that money in? No, it didn't. Did having a LinkedIn account or an Instagram account bring any of that money in? No, it didn't. Right? Much of the stuff that I have in my business didn't bring any of that money in. What brought that money in? What brought that money in was having the books written, was having books I could sell and package in a different way, and marketing on Facebook, and also, by the way, going into KDP Select. That's what brought that money in. Those were the three things that matter. So if you want to boil it right down to what matters, write, publish, and effectively market your books. Write them, publish them, effectively market them. That's, that's, that's what makes life easier. The more books I've had, the easier it is to earn money. So you need to write more books. I think that's the you know the one. I know everybody tells you this, but that's the one thing you do because when you can when you write more books, you can package them in different ways. When you can package them in different ways, you've got way more products that you can sell, and it's easier to make money. So the thing that moved the needle here was having, at the time, twelve thrillers. I put them in a great big box set. I put them in KDP Select, and I made my money on page reads. I made sales, but they were, I was only selling it at 99 pence and cents. That pretty well covered my advertising costs, but I made the money on the reads. That's where the big money was for me. So if you want to know what moved the needle, that's it. That's what moved the needle. So having realized that, I have focused on sort of jettisoning a lot of things in my business that just don't really make much difference. So I've massively simplified my websites. I've got one website to rule them all now, and that is paulteague.net. And I've basically, for a year, set up redirects to old content, which I've retained. I've just moved, I've, I've retained all my content. I've just moved it over to one site now. So before I had um, paulteague.net, paulteague.co.uk, paulteague.com, I had secretbunker.com, was it net, whatever it was, uh, thegridtrilogy.com, um, stuff made simple. I, I, I had all sorts of domain names and I've absolutely simplified it. So now I have the main med website, which is paulteague.net and squeezed into that website are my sales pages for all of my genres. So nonfiction, science fiction, and thrillers. I've also moved over, and I'm in the process of still doing this, moving over blog content from paulteague.com. 
I've also got all the standalone pages that support my non-fiction books under Stuff Made Simple. Plus, I've completely migrated my Secret Bunker and Grid Trilogy website content because I have a, in those books, I have a lot of behind the scenes and secret pages. So I've, I've migrated all of that, set up redirects, but everything now is on paulteague.net. I've also, I've kept the Self-Publishing Journeys website. Now, I was toying with the idea of migrating the whole of the podcast onto the Anchor platform. And I have I have actually moved all of the episodes into Anchor. So you can get every single episode I've ever done on the Anchor website. But I'd also, when I was doing the podcast, I created a website around it. And clearly the benefit of having a website for your podcast, your own website rather than Anchor's website, is that it is very rich with self-publishing keywords. And when you've got affiliate income on there, clearly you can make affiliate sales because people do website searches, they find authors or topics, they read on and they click your links. So I had toyed, I had taken that website down for a while because I was trying to reduce my hosting costs, quite paying quite a lot for hosting for what I get from it. And I was looking at reducing my hosting costs. So I took a lot of websites offline, I backed them up. I use a system called Updraft Plus to, to back up the sites. It makes um, taking them offline and putting them back online really fast. You could do it in a matter of minutes with Updraft Plus. So I had all my backups on Updraft Plus and I basically reduced the price of my site ground hosting. And I've been adding a couple of websites to, to basically make sure I don't exceed my bandwidth and the resources, but to allow me to knock a, hundred, a couple of hundred pound a year off my hosting costs. Because SiteGround, although I, it's my favorite hosting, it's get, it gets pretty expensive when you're out the offer period. But it is great hosting. It's quite expensive as well. So I, I've gone down a hosting package, basically. So when I did that with paulteague.net and migrated all the content, that allowed me to see how much space I'd got left in my hosting package. And so then I realized that I could actually resurrect selfpublishingjourneys.com. So I've brought back all that content now. Uh, I've also moved, by the way, the, the content that I did in season two and the specials that I did, you know, the 10 things you need to about MailChimp and whatnot. They've all got special dedicated pages on that website now, which they didn't have before. Um, they were just on the anchor site before. So I brought the website right up to date with all the content that I've done during this more disrupted period. Um, so I've got I've got two websites now, the podcast one and my author one. And then I've also brought back uh, a, a website that my, my wife does, a separate thing entirely. But that, that, nothing to do with anything that I do. I just help her to make it and she, she maintains it. So that, that's I've boiled that all down. Now, the other thing I did while we've been in Spain is I just switched off my social media. I stopped coming out to play on social media. So I locked down my Twitter account so that it was uh, private and, you know, so that I wasn't taking messages or anything like that. I had a good old clear out of who I was following um, and I set it up so that basically it, it served me. And by serving me, what I mean is, this is how I like Facebook too, is the, the people and the places that I was following I was following them because I was interested in them, but I wasn't really, I wasn't interacting on Twitter. So I haven't interacted on Twitter for weeks. In fact, I did my first post, was it yesterday or the day before, in a long time. And I just wanted to come right off social media for a while, uh, mainly number one, because I know that it doesn't really move the, the needle in my business in any way. It, has, it doesn't, just doesn't move the needle in my business. The pages that I use on Facebook, I don't even post on them. They're just um, standalone pages on Facebook in the ether. I don't advertise them in any way, but they're just pages that I attach my ads to. And they've got huge engagement. You know, the, the engagement on the advertising post is huge. 
engagement like I've never had on a Facebook page before. And of course, that's sort of paid traffic. But I don't put any content on there at all. Well, just a very occasional thing. If I've got a new, like when I had the new books out, I obviously posted that. It's crazy not to. But I'm not trying to get any kind of community going on there at all. It's literally just there for advertising, uh, those those pages. So I have got a, a Paul Teague author page on Facebook, but I'm doing nothing on it. And I'm on the verge of, de- of deleting it, to be honest. With you. I think it's got about 500 followers on it. I do absolutely nothing on it. And I'm on the verge of deleting it because it just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I don't enjoy it. I don't do anything there. I've got no added value to put there. So I'm very, very tempted to delete that. So it's kind of it's in the waiting room for, for the guillotine that one the other thing I've done is I've removed all the social media links from my books so in my books I used to say let's get connected and I had a link to uh, my Facebook author page my Twitter page and I had a link to my author website well now it just goes to the author website I'm removing all the social links from my books now I've done that across the board with the thrillers because that's what I sell the most of but I'm gonna um, I, I've got this is one of my things to do is I'm removing it from my paperbacks, which is a slightly slower job. You've got to slightly pay more attention to that when you do that. And I'm removing it from my sci-fi books as well. But at the moment, I've removed it from all of my thrillers. There are no social links there. So I'm not sending readers um, to any property now that I don't own. I'm sending them to paulteague.net and trying, and, and eventually when it's all set up properly, I will be trying to get their email there. I'm not going to proliferate on third party sites, social media sites. I don't really enjoy the sort of social media stuff. And I can tell you it didn't move the needle at all in terms of my most successful earnings year. So it just gives me the confidence to jettison in it and say, well, you know, I don't really care. I don't care what everybody else is doing. Um, I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. You know, at, at, at the point at which, you know, say somebody came along, bought the Walker Bay series, stuck it on the telly and everybody's watching it. At that point, you know, where you've got a kind of critical mass of people who are interested, I think it would it would be very beneficial to do it. I'm not in that zone yet. As I said, I'm in the sort of sticky middle of, of authordom and, uh, you know, where I don't have this massive audience just waiting with bated breath for the next thing I write. So I, to me, I'm getting rid of it. I'll get rid of it until there's a kind of demand for it, a natural demand for it. Um, I am going to stay on Twitter, though, because um, I've always kind of enjoyed Twitter as an author. I speak to most of you on Twitter for the for the podcast. So I've, I've kind of opened it up again. Now I'm doing episodes again. It's all opened up if, if you want to message me on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I, again, it was horrible with all the Trump stuff, the election stuff, and a lot of the COVID stuff. It's just been horrible, a lot of that stuff. So, again, I've set it up. So um, I've put keywords in there that I don't have to look at. So I'm just really seeing a stream of stuff that I'm interested in. I don't have to see all the horribleness that goes on elsewhere in Twitter. So I've, I've, set, it, I've set up Twitter to please myself and, and essentially, I think, to serve this podcast. But you won't really see me advertising on there or doing any cool author stuff on there. You'll just see the occasional post about running, the occasional post about having a book out and, and the, you know, the odd quirky thing. And I'll be using it to interact with people. But other than that, you know, don't, don't hold your breath. Um, I'm kind of you know, really reducing what I do on social media now. Something I am toying with. Um, I've obviously got my three non-fiction books out now. I've actually got five non-fiction books out now because I've, I've still got the MailChimp book, which still sells, even though right at the top it says it's it's not been updated since, was it 2017, 2019? Same with the WordPress book. Um, I'm not going to update them. 
because it's not it's not really worth my time. But even though I'm completely crystal clear that these are old books, people still still buy them. So I'm not going to take them off and stop selling them. I did write the books after all. And, and, and if you look at the For Dummies books, they don't unpublish a book as soon as it becomes obsolete. Many of their, their books that they still sell on Amazon, you are obsolete and dated now. So that's my philosophy with those. I'm leaving those two books up because that means I've got five non-fiction books to my name. But um, I was considering, this is one of these things that, ooh, you know, is buzzing around the back of my mind. One of the things that I did when I was moving my website over, I, I think I've told you this before, that I have a, a, a beautiful page, uh, how, how to use Vellum on a PC. And this page, if you, I don't know whether it still is, I think it still is last time I looked. If you do a Google search and put Vellum on PC or use Vellum on PC, my blog posts will come up at the top of the search engines. Now, while I've been messing around with my websites, I've, I've put that web page, I've cloned it and put it on two different sites. So originally, I think it was, where was it? It was on paulteague.com originally. Then I moved it to the self-publishing journey site. Then I moved it back to paulteague.net when I was messing around and trying to decide what I was going to do with the websites. So it's now at uh, paulteague.net. So I've, if you think of that in search engine terms, I had a very popular number one ranking page with paulteague.com. I removed that, I created a redirect, I recreated the page on self-publishing journeys and it went straight to the number one slot. So I, all the little tricks that I did meant that the page didn't disappear and kept its number one slot. And then to add insult to injury, I took it down again and put it on paulteague.net. And the last time I looked, it was still at number one in the search engine rankings. Now that is a highly keyworded page. The images are keyworded and the text is keyworded um, to, to make it rank high in the search engines. And it has lots of affiliate links to Vellum. And, I, I, and I'm re earning reasonable income off that at the moment, just letting that sit, just sit on the web. And you know, people try and find out how to use Vellum on a PC. They find my article, it tells them how to do it. And then they, having found out that they could use Vellum on a PC, they buy it through my affiliate, affiliate link. And you get a pretty good kickback on Vellum because the software is what, $250? You, you, you get about, um, it's quite good. It's $35, $50, something like that per, per, per purchase. So it's well worth having as an affiliate link. Now, because that's going so well, and because I, I kind of thought, mm, when I when I change the domain name on it, it'll probably die and, and I'll probably lose my ranking, but, but I haven't at the moment. And I was thinking, you know, that's such a popular theme. And I used to have a very cheap course on Teachable and I never got a, a, a ticket for it, presumably because I'd explained it, hopefully it's really clearly and in great detail. I never got a support ticket off it and I never got a refund on it. And so I was I was thinking, and you know, I know I shouldn't, but I was thinking, you know, if I turn that into a course, if, you, if you've ever had Joseph Michael Scrivener course, I bought Joseph Michael Scrivener course, and although it's very handy and it shows you all the tips and tricks, there's not a lot in it, really. There's not, not a lot in it for an expensive course, even though it teaches you good stuff. And it did make me think, I wonder if I should do a proper vellum course showing you how to use it on a PC, and I could bundle some extra bits in it, showing all the little tricks and tips that I use, showing you how I mass produce books and clone them, and all my little vellum tricks that I use to, to systemize the whole process. And I thought I could probably make a quite a nice little product out of that, which I could maybe sell for, you know, $147, $197, one of these premium courses, and maybe tout it around a few people on webinars and, and, and sell it. Because 
the author industry, you know, authors are hungry for that information. And, and even the guys at Vellum, when I asked them for an affiliate link, even one of the guys, that I think they're called both called Brad, aren't they? One of the guys at Vellum said, oh, yeah, when people say, how do I use it on a PC? We send them to your blog post. So I thought, you know, when you're looking at the low-hanging fruit, you're thinking, ooh, you know, ooh, I, maybe I ought to do that. Um, and I'm number one in the search engines for that search term. Now, so that, that's kind of hovering around in the back of my mind at the moment, thinking that's quite a good Spain project to, to, to do a training course like that. But you know, support, support. That's always the problem, isn't it? People will raise support tickets and I don't like support. But my thinking was, you know, if I'm charging $200 for it, if, you know, if you're charging a decent price for it, then I don't mind providing the support. What I don't want to do is give stuff away for free and then find that I'm having to give loads of support for it. Or you give stuff away for $9 and then you're giving loads of support for it because you're not being paid for your time. So what I was thinking of is there's clearly a hungry audience for this information. I've, I've got a track record of, of delivering clear information about how to do it. Um, so if I did a premium course, which factors in my time, maybe for giving half an hour's worth of support per customer or something like that, is it worth doing? So anyhow, that, you know, that's, you see, support, it's support, you know, I'm like the support. So anyhow, that, that is buzzing around my head at the moment, wondering just whether I'm missing a trick with that. And so also, you know, again, related to my writing business, I mentioned in the last episode that I did last week that in terms of Spain, the tax system is, is too punitive when you're self-employed out here. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Interestingly, I was, I, I was on a Skype call last night with my brother, my older brother, and it was my older brother who led to me coming out here. He moved out here, well, 15 years ago. Um, he just they, they bought a house out here and he was doing um, what was it called he was doing oh I can't remember what it, Herbalife he was doing Herbalife as a, a kind of web business it's 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 not a pyramid scheme but it's one of it's it's like a pyramid scheme but it's not not a pyramid scheme there's a very big difference between what is and what isn't and Herbalife isn't a pyramid scheme but it works along the same principles where you recruit teams and things like that he was doing that out here and it was coming out to see him for my 40th birthday that made me fall in love with this place because I hadn't been to Spain before. And it's the reason why I'm here now, 15 years later. Anyway, I was chatting to my brother last night. My brother had a, a bad experience in Spain and that he was here when the first financial crisis hit. It must have been 2008. It must, must have been 2008, I think. And um, he, he, had, he ran into terrible um, financial problems at that time. And they, they bought a restaurant as well. Not... Um, I don't know whether they bought it, they were franchising it, something like that. And all of a sudden he said, um, you know, the restaurant was empty, no one had any money, all the Brits were going back and it just died. And, um, you know, he, he had a bad experience here. So I was, I was asking him about his experiences when he was out here, because when I used to come and visit, I didn't really pay much attention to what paperwork he had to do and all the, all the nitty gritty of it. And he said, yeah, this autonomo thing, it, it kills businesses. He said, it, you know, it's punishing. You're paying 300 euros a month. Um, you know, he and I have our national insurance paid up in the UK, which gives you a state pension when you're at retirement age. And so um, you, this, this 300 euros you pay per month, you pay 17 years into it to get your pension in Spain. At my time of life, if you were 30 or 25, that's fine. But at my time of life, that's crazy. It would also mean that the kids were foreign students and it will affect their student finance. So we've gone through all of these things, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we're not we're not going to set a business out. I'm not going to run a business um, out here. Um, but we are obviously going to continue to spend time here as much time as we can 
um, over the, the winter months. Uh, we'll just be a little bit more flexible with that. But that was the whole point of coming out here. The whole point of coming out here was to see what it's like to live, you know, to say, do we want to do this? Um, and, and the answer is no, not now. Not not yet. Not yet. Maybe in five years time, we'll revisit it. But again, it just feels like it's too soon. We're too young. It's too early. Um, my business is, I, I don't want to run my business like that over here. Um, you know, I want to stay in the UK tax system. So, so that's what we've decided. We'll enjoy the next three and a half months that we've got here. That'll be fantastic. I've already booked in for next winter to spend the month in Benidorm. Um, but but staying here permanently on a tax basis, no, that ain't going to happen. Certainly, you know, that's getting parked for the next five years until I'm free of the kids being financially uh, dependent or looking to my finances to determine what they get as students. Um, so, so that's where we are with that. So we'll be back in the UK at the appointed time, which will be you know april april 1st i think i think the flights are booked i've had the book for almost a year now i think nine months maybe the flights are booked for the 30th of march back to the uk and have been for ages um so that's that's where we'll go back we will be back on those flights we won't change them so um, it's on the pending pile until brexit settles now interestingly um a former interviewee on this show actually of two times is ron vital and ron sent me a really interesting article about being a digital nomad in Estonia. And I've added um, Ron's link in the show notes because it's very interesting. But this is effectively what I'm looking for in Spain. A lot of countries now are doing uh, sort of digital nomad visas, which allow you to spend no more than 183 days in the country. You don't become a, a resident of that country and you don't pay tax in that country, but you can stay longer than the 90 days allowed within the Schengen rules. And that's that's kind of what I'm looking for in Spain, really. Um, so uh, at the time I'm recording this, I haven't looked at BBC News for the last hour, but at the time I'm recording this on Christmas Eve, they're telling us that we are going to get a Brexit deal. It'll take a little while for everything to, you know, squeeze through the sausage factory, and we'll we'll see how the dust settles on this. But it, it would be really nice if we could stay just a little bit longer than, than three months. Four months would be perfect for me. But but in the meantime, you know, we'll come to Spain on a more flexible basis. We can stay here for a maximum of three months at the moment. I'm hoping that maybe we get like an Estonia kind of arrangement where I could come as a digital nomad, stay here for up to six months uh, without having to pay tax yet. That would be the perfect scenario. But that's where we are with the business. In terms of the business, we're back uh, um, as the plane ticket, always determined. We're, we're back on the 30th of March. Uh, we'll be back in the UK. Uh, I will then, you know, we'll get unpacked and sorted again and I will be back to it back to doing what I've always been doing which is writing <laughs> publishing and marketing self-published books this podcast is supported by affiliate sales of vellum the best way to format your publications in Moby EPUB or paperback format when you buy Vellum through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds and that goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. All of my books are produced in Vellum and I even have a simple guide to using Vellum on a PC over at my blog. Just head for paulteague.com forward slash Vellum and download your free PDF how-to guide there. And to check out the best formatting software on the planet, head over to paulteague.com forward slash use Vellum. Okay, let's move on to marketing then. And I have explained to you already that my income is considerably down from those dizzy heights of five-figure months. 
Um, and probably the reason for that is, is and I, I think I told you this in the last podcast I did before I went to Spain, what I wanted to do, um, I had a huge amount of money on credit cards, uh, an eye-watering amount on credit cards, and I wanted the payments to come in from Amazon to pay that off so that I was less exposed on the credit cards, but also I wanted to submit uh, Left for Dead and Don't Tell Meg to BookBubs again. Now, in the interim period, I got BookBubs on both of those books. I, I had obviously the associated sales, books two, books three, and the box sets. And so that has been uh, lucrative for me in a wide listing way. So I, I listed those books wide. Uh, did I list them wide? Yeah, I did. I listed them wide. And uh, and so I've had income from uh, you know Google, Draft the Digital, and Kobo. And that money's coming in now as I speak because you're always two or three months behind. Those those checks are, are coming in uh, still at the moment. So I have I've had two book bubs since I took the thrillers out of um, Kindle Unlimited. So, but the, the, the level of income, even on a book bub, is not, you're not near, or I'm not near uh, five figure months. No way, that, that income came right down. Now, the advantage of that is that it let me bring the money in that I'd earned from Amazon to pay off the credit cards, now to accrue a very healthy balance in the business account, and so now I'm I'm back to Kindle Unlimited again. I've I've just listed the the books the the box set in Kindle Unlimited. Now when I get a five hundred pound bill from Facebook, it's being paid from cash, not from credit card. And all my Facebook bills now can be paid from cash. That's the big difference now. And I can tell you, it's a lot less nerve wracking when you're paying it from cash. But my income is down considerably, even though it's at a level that I would have been quite happy with prior to that lovely period of four months I had when, when that big 12 pack of books was doing so well in Kindle Unlimited. So now, having having gone through the period of the two book bubs, I basically waited, I think Left for Dead was the last one. Can't remember, was it? My, I can't remember. Whichever the last book bub was, I just gave it four weeks, six weeks, whatever it was, just to watch the the wide sales start to drop. And when the wide sales started to drop, I was straight back into Kindle Unlimited again. So all my thrillers, all my sci-fi are in Kindle Unlimited once again. I am paying for Facebook adverts on that 12-pack again, using the same set of ads as I used last time. And uh, you're exactly the same formula. I'm not changing the formula at all. And at the moment, I'm just running £20, £30 budget a day, just building up the page reads on that on on that book and i can tell you that my page reads at the moment let me just go i'll tell you it live let me just go to book report the the app that i forgot previously i'll tell you what my page reads are for this month right now so my page reads are where are my page reads on here oh no i've got to do it on kindle and i can't do it on book report let me do it on the kdp interface this is where i get them kemp read for december is Wait for it. 231,072 pages. 231,000 page reads in December so far. Now, to be getting Kindle bonuses, I need to be hitting over a million page reads. And if you recall last year, I started I started what eventually led to those five-figure months 
in January. It was about the second or third week of January of 2020. But it took me until March, April, I think it was, until I was hitting really good numbers. So you've got to seed this. You've got to seed the page reads because if you think about it, the page reads accumulate on a 12 pack of books. You don't just read I can't remember how many pages, it's loads of pages, a couple of thousand pages, two, two and a half thousand pages, something like that. You don't just read it overnight and get all the page reads. What happens is, as the book passes into more hands and people read through it, those page reads accumulate. And so you can see already that, what are we, we're 24, we're getting, is that a thousand page reads a day? No, 10,000 page reads a day? Yeah, it's ten, that's 10,000 page reads a day, I think, isn't it? I think it is. It's about that, isn't it? Yeah, excuse the dodgy arithmetic. I think it is. If, if it's wrong, you could do the arithmetic in your head. Um, but I, I'm sort of I'm rounding it up to 240,000 page reads. And I'm saying 24 days so far in the month, 10,000 page reads a day roughly. So I'm just running a low budget and letting that build up at the moment. Um, also, I don't want to spend too much on the ads because it's Christmas and, and the competition's higher and people are very distracted. So probably um, about the same time as I did last year, actually, about mid-January, I will start to build up the amount of money that I spend on those ads. And I'm at the moment mainly promoting in the UK. Most of my sales come from the UK and I'm promoting in the US, uh, but I get most of the sales on that in the UK. Now, the other amazing thing about that 12-pack is, where are, my, where are my reviews? I've got on that book an amazing number of reviews on it. Now, I've written them down. Where are they? Oh, Paul. Oh, there. Here it is. Here it is. Last time I looked last night, I've now got 1,089 reviews on that box set with a 4.4 average. 1,089 reviews. I never in my life thought I would have 1,000, over 1,000 reviews on anything. I can remember when getting 10 reviews on a book, you know, felt like it was pulling teeth, it was unattainable. So, you know, proof proof that it can be done, even by blundering idiot self-publishing authors like myself, 1,089 reviews, wow, you know, I'm that blows me away, that does. Uh, and also that it's a 4.4 average. Uh, you know, you think how many people have read that book, if, you, if, if a thousand people have reviewed it, how many people have actually read it? So. I'm, you know, I'm pleased. I'm very pleased about that. So, um, because that really is a compendium of your work, isn't it? You know, you'd expect in twelve books that there, there might be a couple of duffers in there, um, or certainly weaker ones. And um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I, I feel happy with that. So, given that the, the the marketing of the income is down, given that I've done the two book bubs I wanted, which was Don't Tell Megan Left for Dead. I'm back into Kindle Unlimited now, certainly for a six month period until I can then take them out and start promoting them in BookBub again. I want to promote, well, yeah, yes, I want to promote Left for Dead and I want to promote Don't Tell Megan BookBub again. But I've got to wait for six months for that. Now I've had promotions on both of them. So I'm back into KDP Select again. So I've been playing again with some, with some advertising. I did some BookBub promotions, I, I book book bub um, you know the adverts rather than the featured deals burns your money up really fast and I just don't see the results I'm afraid so I keep having a go at book bub ads but they don't really work the, the the featured deals work beautifully they they always make a profit they always make a great profit those it's hard not to 
but I can't make the ads work. If you're making the ads work, let me know. But, you know, how do you even track that, to be honest with you? Unless you break Amazon's rule and use affiliate links for tracking, which I'm not prepared to do, how do you even track that? I, I, I just see my money going up in smoke, and I don't really see any tangible results with that. Um, the other thing I've tried to do is I've, I'm trying to get my 12-pack on a paid promotion. I want to get a BookBub promotion on it at 99 pence and cents, but I I only want to do that if I can get the page reads. I'm not prepared to do that when it's wide because I know I make my money on the page reads, but BookBub have knocked me back three times. Now, bearing in mind it's got a 4.4 star review average, bearing in mind it's got over a 1,000 reviews on it, and it's huge immense value. I'm amazed at that. Why Why have they done that? So I'm gonna keep pushing it. I'm not gonna do it when it's wide. It's got to be when it's Kindle Unlimited because I want the page reads. But I am gonna keep pushing it and trying to get that as a, as a featured deal, a 99 pence or cents featured deal because I feel that that will work really well. So essentially, I'm back on Facebook advertising with the 12th pack. That's pretty well all I'm advertising on Facebook. I did. Um, I was listening to one of Mark Dawson's interviews the other day when he was talking about his new children's book that he did, and he was he, he just mentioned that he was advertising the paperback to adults via Mumsnet, and he said that David Williams was working well, and I just got up one morning and thought, Do you know what? I'm going to have a go at that, and so I I I tried advertising the series link to the paperbacks for The Secret Bunker, and I advertised it to Mumsnet, David Williams, and I think it was Doctor Who. Um, the The cost per click was about 44 pence, which is, which is pretty high, even with the paperbacks, even with a trilogy of paperbacks, and I didn't really see any benefits from it. So I just ran that for a, about two weeks, I think, and then I knocked it on the head. So I've, I've stuck with my 12 pack, which is continuing to perform. And I just wanted to give you some numbers for December with the 12 pack. So I'm running it, I've got four ads running, two in the UK, two in the US, and they're just running to different audiences. Each ad is running to different audiences. It's the same old ads I used last time. I haven't, I'm not breaking the magic formula. But if you're doing Facebook ads, I thought you just might find it interesting to hear what the reach is, the impressions, the results, and all of that sort of thing. So these are my December numbers for my Facebook ads. So a US ad, I'm only advertising to, to, to females. I'm not advertising to males because as you know, when you advertise to males, you tend to get all the negative comments on and I very, 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 very rarely get negative comments from females. Most of the time they just are positive or they share it with their mates. So that's a sweet spot for me. That's that's where I advertise it. Interestingly, I still get um, men reading the books, but they're generally, they still get the books, but they're generally recommended by female friends. So uh, that, that just works for me. I might be cutting off my nose to spite my face, but so be it. I get an easier life um, when I advertise to that audience. So um, my budget is um, five pound daily on this advert. And in December, I've had 662 clicks reaches 11,652, 16,768 impressions, and my cost per click is 19 pence. Just making sure it was pence, not cents. Then with one of my UK ads, I have got um, five pound budget per day, 1,264 clicks, 37,378 reach, 58,383 impressions, and 16 pence per click. My second UK ad, 
is 1,256 clicks in December. 54,000, I can't quite read that, it's small, 896 I think that is impressions. The reach, did I say 32,890 and the cost per result 16 pence. So I'm getting 16 pence per click in the UK, 19 pence per click so far in the US. And on my second US ad, I've had uh, 688 clicks. The reach is 10,985, impression 16,248 and the cost per click 18 pence per click and if you think that i'm selling that book at 99 pence or cents i take about 30 percent of that the cost per click needs to cover the the purchase and then i make my money on the reads that's roughly how i do my dodgy arithmetic i'm sure somebody who knows much more about this will say that's really dodgy arithmetic but it's kept me profitable profitable so far and there is one more thing I need to tell you about that 12 pack, which is really important. If you've got a really good memory, you'll re remember, recall me telling you that I, I started advertising the 12 pack at 99 pence and cents. And then when it had been going for a month or two, Amazon would not let me price it at 99 pence or cents. It forced me, I can't remember what it was, I think it was 199 in the States and 125 in the UK. It would not let me price it at 99 pence or cents. And I assumed that was because at that price and with the download costs of the file that they couldn't make money on it so they were forcing me into a higher price range now interestingly i have solved that problem and i can give you the complete answer to that problem right now so if you ever have a really big book and, and you've got problems with the pricing because of the size of the file then i've got the solution i finally discovered the solution and i only discovered it because in the kdp dashboard now you, you KDP is moving over to an EPUB file. For years and years, it's been a Mobi file. Now it's an EPUB file. And when my Vellum software started to create a Mobi and the EPUB file, which Vellum does now, it creates both file types for you. I noticed that the EPUB file for the 12 pack of books when I was republishing it was considerably smaller than the size of the file for the Mobi. So I uploaded the EPUB file and it was um, I noticed then and, and I should have noticed I should have known this. It's one of those things I've seen in the past and forgotten that if your file is over three megabits, megabytes, megabits, whatever you prefer to call it, then you 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 can't have the 99 pence cents price tag. And of course, my 12 pack was well over the three megabits um, size. Now, when I put it into an EPUB format, it was just over three megabits. So I went through the book and I downgraded the quality of the book cover images so that Amazon and Vellum would accept them. They were good enough quality, but they weren't mega quality. And I managed to get that file down to under three megabits and it let me price it at 99 pence and cents again. So a combination of using the new EPUB format, not a Mobi format, because Mobi files are bigger, and using Canva, if you take a trial, I, I used, you could do it in, in Photoshop, but I use Canva for it. I just took a month free trial of Canva, so I didn't pay anything for it. And that lets you downgrade the quality of your cover. So it's still good quality, but not amazing quality. So it uses a lot of file size. And I took the file size down and I've got it right below three megabits now, which means that now I'm advertising my books at the price I wanted to, which is 99 pence and cents. Now, this was another reason why I took those books, you know, when I, when I had a huge head of steam on and I was making a lot of money from the books, they, they, it stopped selling as well 
when I had to change the price, even though it was a great deal. 99 pence was the sweet spot on that deal. And so now I can price it at 99 pence and cents again, I, I'm in my sweet spot. So I'm hoping, hoping, I don't expect it to do quite as well as it did last year, because we don't have the COVID factor. People aren't as much in lockdown as they were last year. But I do hope that I can replicate some decent results when I get those page reads building over the next couple of weeks. There have been a couple of improvements to marketing strategies that you can use across different platforms. Google Books, I think, is improving month by month. It's very, very promising. I still don't make any money on Google Books, but it really helps that they're improving the interface at the moment via their partner center. If you've got access to Google Books now, do take a look at it. It's got a much better interface for the analytics data, and they are improving the interface for authors. It's just getting much simpler to use. It really was quite difficult to use at one stage, but bit by bit by bit, it's becoming clearer. And I think that if we need to kind of encourage Google to do this, because the better they get, hopefully the more competition they'll create for Amazon. I mean, really, they're the only kind of massive operation that could create serious competition for Amazon. So although it's really not quite there yet, I mean, the, the payments is horrible. I, I was looking at my payments owed earlier today and I can see how much I've earned, but I couldn't work out when I'm getting paid and how it will be released to me. And it, it's still not clear enough in the way that Amazon really do a good job. But the more time and effort Google put into their interface, hopefully they will become much better over time. And maybe, just maybe perhaps, create some competition with Amazon, which would be a good thing. But having said that, Amazon have added some great new marketing techniques into the KDP dashboard. Have you seen the Prime Reading and Kindle Daily Deal submissions? Now, I heard about that on somebody else's podcast, and I dived straight in there. I've put a couple of my books down. You can now nominate your own books of Prime Reading and Kindle Daily Deals. Now, I haven't got a clue whether it makes any difference or not, but I know that if somebody's offering me something for free and I can nominate myself, I'm certainly going to use it. So I've, I've nominated two books for the Prime Reading and Kindle Daily Deals. Who knows whether I'll get selected. If I do, I'll let you know, and I'll let you know how they go and what the results are. I keep coming back. I mentioned earlier that I'd done some book ads rather than the featured deals, and I really struggled with them. They burn my money up, but I never see any results. And I've been turning Amazon odds ads um, on and off. I mean, I've, I've now got accounts for Canada, Australia, uh, Germany, the UK and the US. I've really struggled with Germany, Canada and Australia. I get the best results in the UK. And actually, um, one of the podcasts I recommend that you listen to, which is the, is it the new author podcast? It's uh, Jerry and Liz, uh, Les... It's Jerry and Lindsay Evanoff's podcast that I listen to. It comes out on Sundays. And I've been listening to their Amazon ad results. So Jerry, if you're listening to this, I know you listen to the podcast. I have to agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm of the mind that Amazon ads don't massively work unless you're a big author anyway. Now, I'm happy for somebody to convince me otherwise about that. Now, let me just talk you through some Amazon ads. And I'll give you some numbers because these might be uh, useful for you. I've, I've had some Amazon ads running. They're running in the UK at the moment. They've been running throughout December. And I've got, I, I don't use the, I've tried the keyworded ads and they really haven't worked for me. And again, on, on Jerry's podcast, uh, or Jerry's and Lindsay's podcast, as I, I should say now, I've heard Lindsay saying that she's she's done the um, Brian Cohen Amazon class 
And she's had about 100 Amazon ads set up with keywords. And you think, oh my goodness, that sounds like so much effort. Well, the only ads I get success with are the, the auto ads. Um, they, they always seem to do okay for me, but only in a small way and not in a way that spends any of my budget. And I just thought I'd share some of these numbers so that you could maybe listen to Jerry's podcast and hear the, the results they're getting and, and have a listen to the results I'm getting. So just using these, these sponsored products ads on Amazon UK using automatic targeting. So this is the, the lazy author's approach to advertising. I have non-fiction adverts. I don't have to create any unique text of my own. And I'm promoting my non-fiction book. So that's uh, uh, eight, no, seven versions of books. So it's got my five-figure book, paperback and digital my Create Products book, paperback and digital. It's also got my starter podcast book, paperback and digital. And it has my MailChimp paperback book in because that isn't available in a digital format. So my non-fiction books then, in December of this year, and, and the print's really small here, um, I've had 30, I think that's, this is like an optician's test reading this, I think it's 33 or 35,561 impressions. That gave me 77 clicks. The click-through rate is 0.23%. Um, and then this is, you know, that's that's really good. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, a 0.23% click-through rate it, it seems good to me for Amazon. But here, here's the problem. My spend is £34.47 and my sales are 49.93 so i'm in profit my cost per click is 45 pence and i've i've made five five orders now i'm going to tell you something about my pricing on the non-fiction books in a moment or two uh, because that has something to bear on, on the profit there let's then look at the numbers for my thriller box set so I've got the, the box set, the 12 pack is, is in an Amazon ad too. It's an automated Amazon ad. And I have to watch the numbers on this, of course, because it's the reads that I need on this. I, I get the sales and the sales cover the expenses, but it's the reads where I make the money. So I have to watch this one carefully. In the impressions, I've had 18,351 impressions. That delivered for me 39 clicks and gives me a click-through rate of 0.21%. So my spend, though, is £4.26. My cost per click is 11 pence or cents. No, it's pence, that is. And I've got nine orders from that, meaning that my sales are £8.91. So again, uh, that is in profit. But can I you know, with numbers like that, when what, are you effectively doubling your money, nearly doubling your money on that? At that point, you'd say, okay, well, if I spend 10,000 quid on the ad, I'm going to make a fortune. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn it into 20,000. But Amazon won't let me do that. It won't let me spend at that rate. So as you can see, in terms of the numbers, I'm getting reasonable results there on amazon.co.uk. And I'm not doing anything fancy pants there. I am literally just setting up automated sponsored products and I'm letting them sit there and I'm doing nothing with them unless they get too expensive for me and I can't see that I'm making money but I just thought I would share that and you might find it useful to compare what what results Lindsay and Jerry are having too um, and just sort of get a sense of this because I as I say my view and I am by no means any kind of expert with Amazon ads nor do I have any particular success with them really that's my level that you know making some money but not enough and I can't ramp it up enough so I actually get on better with Facebook as you've heard the other thing I think that's happened since we both or we all spoke uh, is that we've got series links on books now now Amazon used to link the series for you 
and uh, now you can link them and manage them yourself. I think it's a great option. You know, Amazon really are rolling out some great things recently. And I've now gone across all my series, including things that aren't naturally a series. So I, I bon- bundled my three female protagonist standalone thrillers. I created a box set out of them. You know, really just because you know, box sets are more profitable and I find them easier to sell. They're, there's more margin in them when you do adverts. I'd rather um, send advertising traffic to box sets than I would to single books because I think there's more more profit in it but that but then I don't price my books high and that's probably why that is so it's all you know swings and roundabouts with all of this kind of stuff but anyhow it makes perfect sense to me if you can create series using the Amazon series link then you should do that and I've gone through all of my books and I've created series links for all of them brought them together given them a little bit of description because to me, any little bit of marketing help that you get, you should jump on and use because it all gives you, even if it's just a marginal advantage, it all helps at the end of the day. So I wanted to talk to you. I mentioned it with the Amazon ads earlier. I can't remember where I heard it. It was on somebody's podcast. I heard that somebody had made a really good point and it might have been the Six Figure Authors podcast. But I have, with my nonfiction I have had it in KDP Select. I delisted it wide because I've never really tried my fiction, my non-fiction in KDP Select and Kindle Unlimited. I thought I'd give it a try. So I had the paperbacks. Obviously, the paperbacks have to be about $9.99 because that's what you have to price them at to make any kind of money. And that's not a problem. And I, and I do sell non-fiction paperbacks. But the, the Kindle books I priced at whatever it was, $3.99, $2.99, my normal price. But I'd heard on this podcast, somebody had said, that you shouldn't price down non-fiction books because how much are you going to value the information inside if the book is priced at 99 pence or cents? And I, th- I think I had priced mine at that price at the time to, s- to see if I could shift any copies. And it made perfect sense to me, you know, when you have those penny drop moments, you know, absolutely. What is the value of the content inside a non-fiction book if you don't price it higher? So even with the ebooks I shouldn't be giving that away for free so I just thought yeah that makes perfect sense to me let's try something new and let's try it while those non-fiction books are in Kindle Unlimited because I can get the page reads too so what I've done I've never done this before ever in my author career is I have priced my three digital non-fiction books at $9.99 as high as they can go and you know we make a reasonable amount of money on them and they're selling which is fascinating. So you heard about the the numbers in my Amazon ads. Uh, So there's lots of margin in those Amazon ads and they are selling, which amazes me. My, my, uh, two of my nonfiction books are in my best-selling books on my, on my dashboard at the moment. I'm thinking, ooh, that's very nice. So I'm going to continue that experiment for a little while and just see how that goes. But, you know, it makes perfect sense really, doesn't it? Uh, I get that completely. You, you're going to value knowledge that's sold at nine ninety nine more than you are at ninety nine pence or cents. You're going to assume it's just an amateur selling it off for cheap at that price. So that really resonated with me. And as I say, you know, it hasn't killed the the sales absolutely dead. And because I've got much more margin in each sale now, it seems to be doing pretty well. Again, in a small kind of way, but it's doing okay. 
The last thing in the marketing news that I mentioned, or I want to mention to you, is that I've got a reread and news today promo on my 12 pack on the 13th of January. Now, um, I can't actually remember what I've put in. I thought it was for an e-read and news today um, book of the day slot. That's what I thought I booked. But when I got the booking, it was it looked like it was just for a regular promo slot. Um, because I quite fancied a book of the day slot. But anyway, I'm not quite sure what I've got, but I paid $50 for it and it's running on the 13th of January. And it's my 12 pack, it's 99 pence and cents. I get the book reads on it, so I hope that I'll shift quite a lot of copies on that day, but I'll let you know how that goes. E-Reader News Today is a, is a pretty good promo site. You usually shift a few copies when you promote on that. If you've ever found this podcast helpful, you can now support my work by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. Maybe I've saved you some time by sharing a new resource. Perhaps I passed some information on that you weren't aware of, or you may just like catching up with another author who's doing what you're trying to do and checking in on a regular basis. I prefer to use Buy Me A Coffee because unlike Patreon, you don't have to sign your life away to show your support for the podcast. You can make small one-time contributions, the price of a cup of coffee, or you can support monthly or even annually. The choice is yours and you can make one-off donations at any level you choose. So if you want to support the future development of this show, head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. And thank you very much in advance for your help in keeping this particular show on the road. Let's move on to my quarter four 2020 goals. And I, I kind of dealt with most of these as we've been chatting, but I do just want to make sure that I, I mop everything up. So the last episode or the last full episode that I gave you before we came to Spain, I outlined my quarter four goals. So I'm going to run through them now and just let you know whether I achieved them or not or what variations I had to make. So the first thing was, is I wanted to publish Trust Me Once, Fourth of Grace and Bound by Blood. And I've done that. So I've just literally, at the time of recording this, Bound by Blood has been listed and it's all ready to go and it will be live on Monday, Monday the 28th, which is great. The other thing I said I wanted to do was to promote my 12-pack and my 10-pack box sets up to and over the Christmas period. And I was going to put all my thrillers in KDB Select from the 2nd of November. Well, I've done that. Um, One thing I should tell you about is now I've solved the problem with the 12-pack of books, um, getting the right file size and be able to price it at 99 pence and cents. What I decided to do was to to delist the 10-pack box set because the reason I'd done the 10-pack of box sets was so that I could continue to sell at 99 pence and cents. But the 10-pack had never done as well as the 12-pack, even though actually that that 10-pack box set has got a lot of reviews on it. But I just decided it was easier now I can price the 12-pack at the price I want to. I thought it was confusing to have those two box sets there. So I got, I've got i delisted the 10-pack. And I, I could always resurrect it for the dead if I want to. But at the moment, you won't find that for sale. I just wanted to focus on the one product. So that's where the 10-packs disappeared to. The other thing I wanted to do in this quarter, which I've done, but with no real breakthrough or success, was I wanted to see if my Sci-Fi 7-pack when it was placed back into Kindle Unlimited, could I try and make more sales with it? And I've tried promoting it in Kindle Unlimited. I've tried different audiences. And although it sells and although it gets good reviews, I cannot make it sell at the same kind of rate that I can sell that 12-pack psychological thriller box set for. So I, I don't know why that is. And I've, I've just taken a step back from it. The, the big, the seven-pack 
sci-fi pack is, is still available in Kindle Unlimited, but I've just taken a step back from promoting it you know, um, th through Facebook ads, because I, I really want to get this psychological thriller one going first. I don't want to burn off any money of the Sci-Fi Seven Pack, but that's a work in progress still. My my philosophy is is that if I can make it work with the thrillers, I ought to be able to find a way to make it work with the Sci-Fi. But I just have failed with that yet. And I think that's probably a case of finding the right audience, the right Sci-Fi audience to sell that book. I haven't done it yet. If I do, I'll let you know. Also on my quarter for 2020 goals was to experiment with non-fiction in Kindle Unlimited. Well, I've just been telling you about that in the marketing section. Yes, I've done that and I'm continuing to do that. And I also wanted to submit all eligible books to BookBub and I've done that with a degree of success. I've already mentioned that to you. I also wanted to submit my 99 pence 12 pack when it was back in Kindle Unlimited to BookBub. And I've already said, yes, I've done that. They keep knocking it back for some reason, but I will keep on trying because I would really like to see how that would be the first ever paid book that I've put in BookBub. Uh, it would cost me a lot if I if I promote it in the States. Um, and I've tried different combinations too, by the way, because I know BookBub prefer things to be listed wide, but I ain't going to promote that book for 99 pence or cents wide because I'm not convinced I'll get my money back but I'm pretty sure I'll do really well if I can get reads on it as well so I don't really want to promote it at that price wide on BookBub I am happy to promote it in Kindle Unlimited because the page reads I think will be pretty huge on a book like that uh, with that level of traffic so I've tried different combinations and what I am beginning to experiment with now my books are in Kindle Unlimited is rather than submit them for all territories, I'm now going for the cheaper option, which is to remove is it the United States. I think it just removes the United States and it brings the price of the ads right down. I'm experimenting with that to see if BookBub are more likely to give me promos if I remove the international element to them because you're still going to get sent to a huge list uh, mailing list of, of rabid readers um, but I just want to try that because I had again heard on another podcast it was one of Mark Dawson's podcasts I'd heard somebody say I don't list wide I do get book bubs so long as I don't submit for international deals so that's another thing I've heard on somebody else's podcast which I'm giving a try Okay, we're nearly there. Let's finish off with just general writing news. And it's really lovely when you drop a podcast episode out the blue. And uh, fortunately, it gives some people a, a, present, a pleasant surprise when that happens. You always get a few emails from listeners. And I just wanted to mention Pip Dummel, who um, Pip does the um, religious uh, educational uh, books, which are fabulous, beautiful, beautiful uh, pictures in these books. They're, they're beautifully produced. And Pip just dropped me a note with a photograph to say, uh, what a lovely surprise to see a new podcast drop into my feed. I'd be wondering how your Spanish trip and writing efforts were going. Great to hear enjoying life and that your leap of faith has been rewarded. And then uh, Pip went on to talk about what she's doing with marketing. And I just wanted to share something. I, I had noticed this. I'm sure it was on Facebook I spotted it the other day, Pip, but I had noticed that you were doing this. And what Pip's doing now, she's sending out um, emails, regular emails to listeners, not listeners, to subscribers, people who've bought the books before, but she's delivering via book funnel this fantastically produced catalogue with all their products in that. This is a really nice touch, Pip, and you've done a beautiful job of the catalogue. And I've put a link to it on the show notes for the podcast. So do check that out. But she's now sending this email 
um, every Friday and the email contains a puzzle. These are educational books that Pip's producing, plus a link to the catalogue. If you want to see a really creative way of using BookFunnel, not just to deliver books, then take a look at what Pip's done with that catalogue. And you'll also remember, by the way, that um, if you've got a really good memory and you, you hang on to what I'm saying in the podcasts, I was trying to increase the number of subscribers I got to my lists. And since we last spoke, I've now got three, uh, what, do I, what do I call them, scrapbooks to support the book. So I've got a scrapbook for the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, and I've got a scrapbook for each of the trilogies for the Morecambe Bay, for the Morecambe Bay series. And basically the scrapbooks show all the location photographs that I've taken to support the books. They're beautifully produced, I said they're beautifully produced, they're nicely produced um, in, in, a, in a nice scrapbook template that I think I found on Canva. Now, I don't think, I'm not actually, I'm not actually, Pip, you've just given me an idea. I'm not actually delivering those via BookFunnel, and I should because BookFunnel will accept a PDF and I deliver those via PDF. So you actually made me think, Pip. So Pip is delivering her catalogue via BookFunnel. I need to deliver my, my uh, what are they called? Gallery scrapbooks that I'm using to build my mailing list. And they're working really well, by the way. Um, the, the best thing I've done without giving a book away, which I don't want to do, I'm finding that those registrations for those scrapbooks are going really well when people read the books and hear about all the locations in the books it's a really easy follow-on for them to go on and subscribe to my list and get that scrapbook so it's it's really just to uh, give you more ideas more best practice ideas for your books i love what pip's done do have a look at the castle it's beautifully beautifully produced uh, and i'm also going to nick your idea pip because i've missed a trick there because that's how i should be delivering my well, i think i think at the moment when you sign up to my list i giving you a link in the email but it makes much more sense if i encourage people to subscribe through a book funnel page that's a much neater way of doing it so thank you for the idea there pip and um, the other thing uh, pip did he sent me a picture uh, of her neighbourhood and um, a lovely walk that she goes on uh, on milder winter days to listen to the podcast. Um, so there's lovely mountains there. Uh, it, it, it's There's Al Alberta there and the Monashies. Uh, my geography is terrible, so I'm just reading your words here, Pip. Um, but it looks looks fabulous. So thank you for sending that, Pip. Also got an email, and actually um, Lords bought me several coffees. Thank you for that, Lords. Got an email from Lords Wellhaven, who said, your podcast generally cheers me up. It helps me on my walks. It helps me get my head in the game. And it presents a very realistic picture with all the ups and downs of the business. Actually, Lords, it was you writing that and you saying how much you value the, 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 the honesty and the openness. It, that's what made me and convinced me to share my numbers with you earlier on in this podcast. So you've got Lords to thank for that. Lords, thank you very much for buying several coffees, actually, through Buy Me A Coffee. And the lovely Spanish message, which I won't attempt to pronounce, but it basically said, you know, have some coffees on me. We discovered a lovely little bar by a church the other day, and that's where I will go to drink some of those coffees, Lords. So thank you very much for doing that. A couple of other general bits and pieces before we finish. Uh, Alex Newton of Calytics has done a rather interesting video about how to avoid losing book reviews. And he explains, you know, a lot of people have lost book reviews because Amazon has somehow tracked uh, family members or people you know already who've given reviews and then it removes the reviews. Well, Alex, 
Alex has done a really nice video. It's not techie at all, explaining how you need to promote your books in a way that will mean that that doesn't happen. And I've put the link to the video. It's a Kalytics video. It's free. There's no opt-in or anything like that. I've also put that link on the show notes. Very, very uh, interesting, that is. A couple of um, just you know general bits that aren't really related to writing. They're related to life. Um, being in Spain at the moment, they have two big draws in Spain. El Gordo, which is a Christmas Eve draw, and they have El Niño, which is uh, a New Year draw and these are massive in Spain they're like the national lottery in the UK but everybody takes part in these draws and I mean it's like thousands and thousands and thousands hundreds and thousands of pounds is, is the jackpot and everybody in Spain teams up and does it I've done this a couple of times but I've done it again this year I just wanted to let you know that there was no win in El Gordo yesterday and it's now up to El Nino at New Year to make my fortune. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if you won the lottery while you're out in Spain? So anyhow, fingers crossed for New Year. I can't do the UK lotteries at the moment. I usually have the UK lotteries on but I'm not allowed to buy UK tickets when I'm out here and unfortunately they've got really good uh, they've got really good systems which can detect when I'm using a VPN so I can't use I can't buy Euro millions when I'm out here. So I've gone for El Gordo and El Nino. So that's just a little bit of fun. I did want to just let you know that I've kept up my running while I've been out in Spain. It was very easy in Benidorm because when we were in Benidorm we were always close to the beach and I just run down and run up and down the beach. It's lo lovely doing that and I ran every day when I was in Benidorm. Torrevieja is quite a, a different place. We're, we're away from the beach in Torrevieja. We have to travel into town to get to the beach and I did wonder for a while while we were exploring the area if I would actually find a, a safe and suitable route to run. It's much more set up for cars and driving this place but uh, we kept looking around I was looking on the map and we have actually found I've found a really good running route it's actually ever so straight and ever so flat and pretty close to the house so I, I only have to cross two roads both of which have frequent crossings uh, you know pedestrian crossings on them and they're very good at, about that in Spain so I, I get across the roads easily so I run from my house and then it's a cycle track which is completely straight completely flat and I run twice out on the cycle track which is tarmacked incidentally and then back home and that's about 5.5 kilometers so ever since I found that I've been running every other day in Spain and of course you know it's beautiful the skies are blue you don't have any rain or any of that nonsense now I have to tell you I've been struggling with the running because the great thing about the park runs and going on my nature reserve runs is that I did those with people and it allowed you to set your time and monitor your time. It had that constructive competition element in it. And and it was that was really, really good for me and it, it kept me engaged. And I have been struggling. It's been nine months now that we've been running without park run. And I honestly believe that had I been in the UK and it had been cold and wet and all the usual things I moan about the UK, I honestly think that I might have stopped running this winter. I, I think it just would have been too hard for me to get out there without the weekly incentive of park run and the run that I used to do at the nature reserve. So I, you know, I'm really pleased I've managed to keep my running up. And in fact, I've done a couple of challenges while I was out here and I've just finished one, was it yesterday I finished? I think it was yesterday we finished or I finished this one. And it was um, a great run solo, it was called. So the, the people who do the great run in, in the UK, they had a, it was a virtual competition. And the competition was to run 12 five kilometer runs 
between the 1st of December and the 24th of December. Well, I actually did, I did, um, I've done 12 of those runs. I actually did 13 because I went out with my wife. I'll tell you why I went out with my wife in a moment or two. I went out with the training. So I did 13 runs, but I recorded the 12 that I did, which was were the fastest ones. And I got my certificate. It's on Twitter if you want to have a look at it. And it turns out that I've run, well, more than 41.1 miles in the first 23 days of December. So virtual runs like that just really helped to, to gamify it and helped to keep me in the game. I honestly honestly think I would have struggled to keep up running if I'd been in the UK and had to battle with the cold, uh, you know, as well as having not being able to run with other people as an incentive. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. The other thing is the reason I was out um, running with my wife is that we're going to do, this is a big run, I love this, we're going to do the San Silvestre run. Now, this is a big thing in Spain. I actually did this, um, was it five, six years ago? Um, we, we were in Spain and I did it, uh, and I've forgotten where we were. Where were we? We were in another place in Spain. It wasn't in Benidorm. Uh, and I did this run, I got a t-shirt, and um, and it was lovely, it's a lovely thing in Spain, and they do it at the new year. Well, I was hoping to be able to do this run at the new year, of course it's got to be virtual this year, but I'm doing the San Silvestre, my wife's doing it too, we're doing that on the 31st of December, and all we have to do is a five kilometre run, and we have to track it on an app, and, you know, take a photo, and, and I, I've got two fo- I've got two t-shirts which I'm really chuffed with. I love I love collecting these t-shirts to run in, especially the ones with with Spanish language on them. Um, this is this is two t-shirts to go with me San Silvestre run from you know six years ago, and um, I got one for doing the run, and I got the other one for referring my wife for doing the run, which is great. So we're going to be doing that on the thirty first of December. And I'm hoping that I might get a a couple more virtual runs while we're out here, you know, just to keep my head in the game. And I'm hoping, hoping that when we go back to the UK at the end of March, I know they were they were on the cusp, I think, twice of doing part runs again, because they've kind of confirmed that that amateur athletics are okay because distancing is involved. Um, You know, you're outside. And so the risk of, of picking up COVID there is reduced. So I'm hoping that by the time we get back in April, although it won't be exactly the same as it was, I'm hoping we might be able to get back to part runs. And I, I really need it, you know, a year out of that. And I'm really struggling to keep the, the running going. Okay, that's it. I've got one more thing to give you. I was saying to you that I've been playing Scrabble with my mum since we went into lockdown, which was about, 20, it was the 23rd of March, because it was my 55th birthday in the UK. 23rd of March is when we went into official lockdown. I've been playing Scrabble games with my mum because my mum's been kind of locked up in the house. I mean, she has been going out to shop, but she's not mixing with people, just waiting for her to get the vaccine. And that will be great for people of, of that kind of age. Um, so I've been playing loads of Scrabble games. We just, we, It was a little bit more fragmented as we were moving over to Spain and we got busy with the house and things like that. And then I have been able to keep it up while we've, we've been in Spain. It works well with the hour difference because... We, we we're usually at the end of our day here and uh, and it's a bit earlier for my mum it's just before tea time for my mum so it has worked really well so I asked you at the beginning of the podcast how many games of Scrabble do you think I've had with my mum at the time of recording this and the answer is 262 <laughs> 262 Scrabble games and I'm still losing just as many as I was last time I spoke to you <laughs> She's really good at Scrabble. She's very good at it. And uh, I do win I do win some, but I think it's mostly in my mum's favour still at the moment. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. For those of you who missed the podcast, that was about, what, one and a half hours? So you've got a nice extended 
episode you know, to get you right up to date with everything that's been going on in my writing life. I'll have another episode for you next week where I will be setting out my goals for quarter one and the whole of 2021. And I'll have some news about this podcast. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.com forward slash podcast. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paulteague. That's it for this week's show. Thanks very much for listening. And I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague. Bye-bye for now. Bye.